0: Welcome to Monday's episode of the Terrace Scottish Football Podcast. I am Craig Fowler, and on tonight's show, I am joined by Ewan Taylor.
1: Hello, Craig.
2: And Robert Borthwick. Hello, Craig. How are you doing? Uh, I'm liking how the the, the sort of the screen split into three here, with me on the left, you in the middle, you on the right. You are the M8, and I want to shake you and hand as a hand across the divide <laughs> here. This is uh, three three very true, two very good podcasters. That's what we want to see. Yes. Yes,
1: even if uh, my team might have annoyed you slightly yesterday. Probably more than they annoy me, so apologies. No, oh, uh, yeah, definitely. Profuse apologies just... for that.
0: Yeah, in fact, let's just um, get on to that. Let's just cut any further preamble. First game we're going to get to, Aberdeen 2, Rangers 0. Aberdeen <laughs> win their seventh game in succession with their fifth successive clean sheet. They stay five points clear of Hearts in the race for third place. a huge victory for Barry Robson's side. And Rob, it really does just... Because, I mean, the transformation was already pretty impressive, but they were... I felt like in recent weeks they were kind of just scraping past and you thought, right, OK, it's going to turn. It's going to turn now. It's going to turn. Still not turning. They won again. And there really has been some job done by the
2: caretaker manager, hasn't it? I kind of feel like Barry Robson has reinvented football. Uh, I feel like he's some sort of visionary that's going to get a a statue made of him uh, at some stage because he has made Aberdeen win seven games in a row. And he made, he's he's made them hate having the ball, like they never they never have the ball in games. And then as soon as they have it, bang bang, one two back of the net, and then you're like, right, what on earth just happened? And that's exactly what happened again against Rangers, when essentially they just sort of went, right, okay, we don't actually need to play it across the back. We don't need to do sort of a tiki taka triangles with the wing backs and all this kind of stuff. No. They're so effective at just getting the ball, moving it forward through, be it Ramadani or Clarkson or Shinny when he's playing. They get the ball to Duke, they get the ball to Miofsky, running into the channels and they've got an opportunity on goal. They're so good at it. And I feel like it's one of those things that might get worked out, but no one's worked it out so far. And they are Mm -hmm. so, so effective at playing from back to front quickly. And... Also, the changes he's made defensively um, since he's come in obviously, Matty Pollock and Angus McDonald making a, a, a huge difference there from Anthony Stewart and, and Ross McCrory and whoever was playing there under Goodwin. And uh, they've just become a, a much sounder outfit, but also the identity is given them. I think Ramadani is the guy that probably inhibits that the, the most. You know, he basically takes on the identity of the angriest Aberdeen dad that you can find. And he's the chest thumper that's running up the, running up the stand and, and getting everyone G'd up and, and getting in the faces of the opposition and, and running himself into the ground. And they've basically become this really effective, in a really weird way, fun team to watch. Because you know that if the opposition don't score, then Aberdeen will. They always will because they've got the players, they've got the weapons to do so. And against Rangers, it took uh, either a stroke of luck or an incredible finish from William Scales to open the scoring. But thereafter... <laughs> luck thereafter, you saw what they're good at and they can get the ball into the middle quickly. A great ball in from Clarkson, a great diving header from Majofsky, and that's game over. Rangers had absolutely nothing before that, to be honest. But thereafter, uh, they were absolutely done for as a a contest. So, really interesting tactical game, um, but Rangers were anemic and Aberdeen scored when they had to.
1: Hmm. Yeah, I think it takes a bit of balls to play like Aberdeen play, especially in a game uh, like, like yesterday, because to be honest, with the first half they did fuck all with the with the ball, and they didn't have much of it. But you know, they, I mean, they had a couple of shots towards the the end of the, the half. Yeah, when even, even when they were trying
0: to just like it. make passes to take the pressure off themselves, they yeah. were still just kind of giving it away quite slackly.
1: Yeah, yeah, but you know, they didn't they didn't play. I didn't think they played well first half. Uh, apart from the, other, they were organised defensively. Uh, albeit you know, Rangers had had their chances, which they could have taken. But uh, compare that to several performances from teams of, of similar resource this season you know Hibbs recently at home to the Rangers coming off a good run of form and it's you know just running straight into the the the, uh, the into the meat grinder same as Hearts obviously <laughs> you know the, the Robbie Nielsen turning point game you're playing uh, Barry McKay and call in, in, uh, in, in centre mid but it feels like that you actually need a bit more balls to say no I'm going to play the way that I think is actually going to win the game or or get a result as as Goodwin maybe uh, tried to do in the you know, the the last Celtic game at Pottodji when he just I mean that that was a complete lack of ambition in that game obviously but it almost worked and he was probably you know a couple of minutes away from is still being Aberdeen manager now if that you know that, that obviously started quite a a, a chain of, <laughs> of events but it, it news your know, Robson goes into the game yesterday. Uh, Aberdeen are great run of form. It's like a massive crowd at Petardry. Everyone's up for it. There's a whole shiny thing in midweek. Uh, Aberdeen fans are losing their heads left, right, and center. And played like that in the first half, basically gave the fans nothing apart from staying solid and not getting beat. And then you, know, and then as the game goes on, then obviously you know, when they get their chances. I mean, one isn't even obviously a chance, but it, you know they, they they get a wee bit of luck. They they go ahead and then. The second goal is an excellent goal from Aberdeen's perspective, and and you know and then it's a completely different, obviously a completely different game, but they stayed in the game and that allowed them to then obviously you know, take the chances when when they came up. A lot of managers I think who are probably a bit le- less self confident than than Robson would think it's such a big game, you know, and, and you've got you know, you it's not like um your know, Aberdeen were behind hearts going into the game or whatever, so they could have said, you know what, let's this is almost a bit of a free hit, let's just you know. Caution to the wind. Let's just go for it. We've got a big crowd. We're up for it. Let's go. They didn't do that at all. They they were. It was a very measured performance from Aberdeen, and I think all the more impressive you know for that.
0: Just want to look at a couple of players in the Aberdeen team before we get onto it. Duke didn't have the best of the games, and you could have thought of hmm. Aberdeen to go do something. And he's going to have to be instrumental. He was pretty quiet, pretty ineffective, but that shows just how much Aberdeen are purring at the moment. That they can get by without the best player. Although it has to be said that Miofsky played well alongside him, obviously with a very good header for the goal and also just kind of making himself a nuisance and nuisance and kind of bamming it up the, the Rangers defence and throwing them off and more on them in a second. But I think we should highlight just a bit more Liam Scales. Hmm. His transformation since Barry Robson took the job is maybe the biggest one in the Aberdeen side. He really suits playing on the left of that back three and he is there, he's allowed to be the kind of footballer that he was said to be, the kind of, we didn't know if his best position was left-back or centre-back. I would he was the centre-back. He's kind of the, the footballer alongside Anthony Stewart. But I can imagine that would have affected his performances a little bit because he's like, right, fair enough, yeah. my job here is to play with the ball, but you could at least give me somebody who could complete a five-yard pass beside me. And that was maybe just a bit too much weight on his shoulders and his performances suffered from as a result. And when it got to the point where Goodwin was sacked, Scales was shit, like seriously right. bad. But he's been excellent, and he was tremendous in this game, regardless of whether you think it was a cross or a shot or not. He was head and shoulders above everybody else in the park. But let's get to some players who were not head and shoulders above everybody else in the park, yeah. including the in our centre-half. Ben Davies, Ewan. What the hell has happened to him?
1: Yeah, he just lost... Uh, he was cursed with uh, a certain a certain list that came out, um, <laughs> which may have put him above... Certain other players. Uh, he's basically, he was fine until then, he had actually made a mistake, but now he, he, he's just completely lost confidence. I mean, he's a really good passer of the ball but he certainly wasn't yesterday um, at all. He is very easily bullied. Now that's always been a um, an element of his game, but it, uh, certainly you know, since he's uh, come, come up the road, but it is becoming a, increasingly a, a concern um, that you, you could, I wouldn't have said Majovski's the strongest, but He's he's probably just a bit more physically, slightly more physically adept than, than than Davis. He's just Davis is really just built with of skill. I mean, he doesn't have enough to him, maybe to be center half in a in a you know a, a center half pairing. Um, it seems so unless Rangers switch to a back three, uh, which uh, you know I don't think is, is is imminent. Uh, or would be used very often, even if it if it was something that the wanted to do. I think his Rangers career may come to a swift, and abrupt end in the in the summer, um, and he go back down the road. I mean, it's odd considering he's basically played his whole career in the English lower leagues as a centre half. So you'd think he's, he'd be used to dealing with sort of big physical centre forwards, but um, it does not seem to be the case. So, so yeah, uh, it's a, it's a bit of a worry. I mean, I think if, if Goldson's fit for um for next week, I, I suspect suspect to be Suter and and Goldson um that play the, the old firm game. Um, even if Suter has to play on the sort of his wrong side, just because I mean Davis has just completely lost all all confidence. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check breakfast, lunch, and dinner. Check planning for what's next and how to save for it. That's where Bank of America can help.
0: That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Rob, I'll give you the opportunity here to pick anybody
2: else from the Rangers team and stick the boots into them because fuck's sake, you useless pricks. Um, I'm, I'm going to go off something I tweeted yesterday and talk about uh, Mr. Borna Barisic. Um, oh God. Jesus Christ, Borna Barisic. It, it, so... Obviously, this is coming to a turning point in this era of Rangers. There's going to be a big clear out in the summer. You'd hope there's going to be a big clear out in the summer, and uh, Michael McBeal uh, will be able to to make some of his own sign-ins, properly. You know, build a team. Borna Barisic, I think, has got to got to got to go. Um, he's he's given up the ghost. Um, and honestly, honestly, I have never in my life seen someone so poor at defending a back post, especially when the person defend that back post is a left back you're meant to be able to, to see the rest of the pitch. It's, you know, centre-halves can get dragged one way or t'other. other. tucks in, stands alongside John Suter, and then basically doesn't realise that Aberdeen's only central striker uh, is making a run behind him. And, you know, obviously Mayovsky gets into the middle, headers it with not a hint of pressure. From, uh, from Borna Barisic. And don't, you know, don't let me mince my words here. That's Borna Barisic's man. That's not John Souter's man. John Souter is in the right position and Barisic has to be looking at where the runner's coming from. He doesn't do it. That's not the only time this has happened. There's several hilarious um, screenshots and videos, should you want to see them, of Borna Barisic, usually at Celtic Park, usually letting the likes of Kyogo or whoever run off the back of him and tap in an empty net because he just doesn't know how to do it. He stands still and then hopes Mm. that there's no one else there. He was so poor. And then with the ball yesterday as well, I I counted, honestly, so many times that he had an opportunity to cross the ball into the middle and he hit the first man. He hit the guy that was coming to to charge him down every single time. And when he did get the ball into the middle, it was never of a high enough quality to make a genuine guilt edge chance for Rangers. That's what Borna Barisic has to be doing. That's what he's very, very good at. It's shown he's very, very good at over the years. And he's ineffective at doing it now. Um, Obviously, Look at the league table and you say, right, well, Rangers are 20, 20 odd points ahead of Aberdeen. Um, why should we be worrying so much about this one off game? Well, it's not a one off game. Rangers have shown that they're not competitive in the games that matter this season. That's in Europe, that's against Celtic. And that's when it comes to playing your biggest, well, your biggest rivals outside the Celtic, you would probably say. Um, in Aberdeen at their home patch with an opportunity to bloody their nose when they really need it bloodied. Um, and they, they came up wanting. So, yeah, uh, mm. Rangers' positioning in second in the table is going to get them absolutely nothing at the end of the season. I don't think they're going to win the Scottish Cup. Uh, they've already got the, the League Cup out of their grasp. The league title is going to Celtic. That's a trophy season for Rangers, and that's a huge worry.
1: Yes, well, we'll see you, Sunday. But, uh, I, yeah, I've got no... Big hopes whatsoever. Nah, honestly, uh, that, I mean, that, that
2: hand yeah. that I offered across Craig Fellow earlier on, um, you can fuck it,
1: honestly. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes. yeah, you're definitely more angry than I was. Uh, I mean, it's, it's one of those, I, I mean, we didn't learn anything new about Rangers yesterday. I mean, we know Bournemouth can't defend the back post, uh, and we know that Rangers are profligate in front of goal. Now, since Beals come in against everyone apart from Celtic, um, and even against Celtic, uh, you know, in, in the week games at least, your Rangers have, have not found it difficult to score goals just through sheer weight of chances. I mean, we're far better at, at creating chances uh, under Beal than uh, was the case under Van Bronckhorst certainly. But eventually, you're going to have a game where you just you you, you can't have a barn door, um, and that's when you need to not make horrific defensive errors and. You know, there have been several games under Beale where Rangers have sort of scored their way out of trouble. Um, and yesterday, finally, it, it didn't happen. So it's, uh, it's yeah, I, mean, I think a whole new attack is is needed as well as a, a good couple of defenders, a goalkeeper and, and maybe a midfielder too. So that's <laughs> that's very much the whole team. Um, but uh, I mean, I think a lot of the guys playing just now are, would be fine as squad options, but they're not fine as, you know, starting every week. Um, and uh, and obviously they're having to do that at the moment and uh, yeah that's, um, that's why there has to be a lot of change in the summer
2: yeah. uh, Last word from me on Aberdeen as well a massive begrudging fucking fair play to them um, because what Barry Robson's been able to do is remarkable but they've also done what Hearts did last season and they made they've taken advantage of other teams not playing as well and absolutely made the most of it they've got five guaranteed Six guaranteed European uh, trips and all that kind of stuff. Um, begrudgingly, a I, I, I hands up on a fair play from Robert Borswick because uh, it is remarkable what they've done in the last couple of months, especially when you realise how fucking funny it was under Jim Goodwin and how much we laughed. How much we laughed, Craig Feller, you and Taylor. How much we laughed. Uh, but honestly, yeah, fair play. <laughs> I don't want the last word to be about Rangers. That's why I've. That's why I've said that.
1: Uh,
2: all right. Right, let's move on
0: to the the, the game that, that cut the gap briefly down to two points, I and mean, we were all hoping of a heart's persuasion on this podcast that was going to remain at two points, sadly it did not, but at the very least we can co- console ourselves with the fact that, Rob, hearts are back!
2: Listen, um, move aside world, Ball has arrived, and my god, I, I like <laughs> I like the way it looks, um, hearts, hearts were, from the about the 16th minute onwards, um, absolutely mm. the best I've seen them since the first half of the Zurich game uh, back in August. Yeah. It was a, a truly exciting um, and sort of got the blood going sort of performance um, that we just didn't see under Nielsen for, for so, so long. And what I liked about it the most was it was um, Stephen A. Smith's preachings in practice because he spoke in the Edinburgh Derby about moving the ball forward quicker, getting it into dangerous areas quicker, and getting Lauren Shankland opportunities to to have a shot on goal. Hearts did all of that, and they did it against a, a very, very poor Ross County side. I think it's fair to say this is the game that Hearts needed. Um, but all over the park, there was really, really impressive performances. Don't even need to look at uh, Xander Clark, Kai Rules, or Toby Civic; They weren't needed. So you look elsewhere, Alex Cochran uh, was back to his best. i I'd have him at left back for the rest of the mm. season now ahead of Stephen Kingsley. I thought Cammy Devlin and Peter yeah. Haran uh did their jobs brilliantly uh in the middle of the park as well. I thought they were great. I thought Barry McKay they're, they're a good they're a good partnership
0: and I was I was actually gonna ask you a question whether Haran's been a bigger miss than perhaps many
2: realised as he's been out for these six months with concussion. Yeah, no, it, I think he was—he's—he's he's always been a miss. You know, Peter Haring's had now two or three serious injury problems at heart. One time his hip exploded, the other time his head exploded. So, you've got to look at that <laughs> and say that he's, hes not been that fortunate. But he remains one of the favourites for the fans because they know the level of, um, you know, the level of performance that he can put in. Of course, he's been a miss because we've been plugged and laboured with uh, Robert Snodgrass, who got worked out. Obviously, a very good start, but we got laboured with him uh, in the end. And Peter Haring has come back in his first start since October and, and had a great game. So, no, listen, I, I, I don't expect Peter Haring to stay beyond the summer. I think his time at Hearts probably has come to an end. Um, but I thought he was really good uh, in the, the game on Saturday. But the main ones for me were the, I mean, Barry McKay was good. He was decent. He, he moved the ball well. Mm-hmm. He got Hearts up the pitch. But Utaro Oda, Josh Janelle, and Lauren Shankland uh, were my three sort of main players. Oda... Just played with a freedom and, and really actually showed what he can do as a footballer. He's lightning quick. He's got really good feet. Yes. He's really direct. He runs directly at the opponent. But then, you know, the, the swish of his hair is, is away the other direction. And he's, he looks like he could be a properly good Scottish Premiership player. Josh Dinelli showed how much we missed him when he was out. Both goals were of the highest quality. Two great finishes, the first one especially, left-footed into the top of the net. And Lauren Shanklin did what Lauren Shanklin can do. And what Lauren Shankland tends to do when you play him a little bit off of Josh Ginelli playing the number nine, which is the best way that Hearts play football. We saw that under Robbie Nielsen as well. So, no, listen, really enjoyable afternoon. Loads of standout performances. But Shankland, Oda, Ginelli, for me, now have to start the rest of the season because those are the guys that look like they can properly do some damage and make a difference and, and get Hearts on the, on the score sheet.
0: There's nothing else I really have to add to that. So, June, I'm just going to come to you. Hmm? Ross County.
1: Uh yeah, because I, I sort of thought in the first ten minutes or so that Hearts looked really nervy, uh, and yeah, Ross County sort of looked a wee bit threatening. And then as soon as the Cochrane... yeah, there, there were chances at both ends before the, the Cochrane goal, or you know half chances anyway. But um, as soon as that goal went in, there was just a, an absolute. Calamitous collapse <laughs> from uh, from Ross County and some some real comedy. So actually comedy misses as well from from Jordan White. Um and, and just comedy uh defender. I mean the, the defendant for the sixth goal. Is it Baldwin who headers it while it's on the ground? Like yeah. you know, channeling Phil Jones. Um it just I mean it's it's never a good look. It is never a good look. Um and uh yeah that, that was, it was it's pretty um, chaotic stuff. I mean, you felt sorry for um, a, a young boy Smith at the at the back. I mean, it just—it's all well. Good playing a good a sixteen-year-old, and yeah, I think uh, you know, we had that that podcast we did um, recently. where We were sort of talking about you know young players not getting enough of a chance, and uh, you know, and I, I said that probably need to start playing guys before they're ready if you want to hold on to them for a wee bit longer or to, to make you know, get get money for them rather than, than losing them down south sort of before they even played. But it that did show that what can happen when you play a guy that's maybe not quite there. I mean he's played I mean it's not as like it was his debut um but I, I just sort of felt that his head let, went a wee bit um as the goals started draining in. I mean the the uh the tackle for the penalty, which I mean how that wasn't given in real time <laughs> it's bizarre i thought um but you just you're basically intentionally trips shankland when he's running away from goal it just i mean that's just a, a pure sorry of head lost moment and so i mean boy's i uh, i'm sure he's a good player and um you know it's, it's not going to define his career but just you'd sort of be a wee bit surprised if he played again now um for the rest of the season at least uh and yeah i, I think ross County are in, in serious bother because it looks like everybody, everybody else sort of looks a bit more like they're going to pick up a result I, I, and indeed are doing so um, whereas Ross County the last couple of weeks have sort of, uh, fallen a wee bit
0: yeah I think that's all to be said for that game I didn't say the score at the start it was 6-1 hearts for those who live abroad yes. and don't uh, check the results too often <laughs> I don't know if you'll believe me about this, but I have had people before who listened abroad and say, can you, can you tell me the score? Can you start saying the score before you <laughs> get into the game? Because I live on some remote place in the middle of nowhere and I, I don't know what the scores actually are. So I'll listen mm-hmm. to you guys to tell me. So there you go, Hearts 1 6 1.
2: Craig, I've, right, Craig, so- Craig I've, I've used all my internet downloading this podcast and I can't check Google for the <laughs> score wing. <laughs>
0: Yeah, I never got it either, but I've always done it ever since that point. Right, let's move on to the next game. And I've got a question for you guys. (laughs) What's the best way to finish in the top half of the table for the first time in 38 years? I'll tell you how. To fall arse backwards into <laughs> and that's what St. Mirren did at the weekend, losing 2 0 home with Kamarok. Kermannuk. Kamarok's first away win of the season, only their fifth point away from home in the league this campaign. And it came on a day where the Swisher Stadium was packed to the rafters. Yeah. a huge game for both clubs. And St. Mirren, well, they just bottled it, mm. didn't they?
1: Yeah. Put off a future generation of uh, Sunderland fans for life. Hopefully, all these wee kids going—you know—it was meant to be this glorious day, and they just see their team get turned over by—you know—man for man, the worst team in the league. That was that um, was the, that was so the first yeah.
0: time they've been to the Sunderland St. stadium ever since <laughs> yes. they had the Celtic club shop outside it. Yes,
1: <laughs> exactly. Either uh, that, either that, or there's in, that. Until the
2: there's an entire generation of young Saint Mirren fans that think that you celebrate losses now, uh, because the, the scenes at full time when they realised that Levy had <laughs> chucked it at Dundee United, all the players on the pitch getting their photos taken, you know all this kind of stuff. So, aye, it was a, it was a very it was the most Saint Mirren way to go about um, getting into the top six.
1: Mm. Yeah, they also conceded, I think maybe the only good goal that Comanica scored all season, Donnelly's goal. Um, I mean it was the only goal that's that's not been a result as as far as I can remember. That cross of, at the uh, in Ar- Yeah, the Armstrong <laughs> Ar- specifically Armstrong crossed it in for a big lad to sort of, sort of hit off. I mean that was the second goal obviously, but the um but the first goal it was actually a really nice play from um, from Vassell and uh, Liam Donnelly. Um Scoring goals as he—that's pretty much all he does. Which isn't that useful for a defensive midfielder, but he does uh, score goals occasionally, and, uh, and he managed to score one. So, yeah, uh, I thought look i mean—played really, really well, um, and uh, it was quite unlike them. Really, uh, I, I hadn't really seen that that side of them. It did look early on that um, Danny Armstrong didn't really know what he was doing playing as a wing back, but ultimately it worked. So, fair play.
0: The. Kelly Midfield as well did a great job of out St Mirren and that Alan Power and Liam Donnelly, along with young Watson in there, just Watson providing the legs to make sure that Keanu Bacchus had little impact on the game, although he was, I doubt beforehand, it was taken off at half-time, so it's chances that he was carrying an injury that he just really could shake and be at his best in this match. But Donnelly in power, snapping at the tackles, picking up all the loose balls, doing what some men have really kind of made a, a habit of doing this season with the likes of Alex Govich and Mark O'Hara in there. And but again you just have to come back to the fact that they didn't turn up and the the proper show that kind of collective it was a it was a real heads gone moment, but it was kind of an individual heads gone moment that summarised the collective with Thierry Small, who didn't actually even start the game. <laughs> It was Scott Tanzer who started the left wing back, but he and Charles Dunn had an absolute nightmare. And fair play to Kyle Vassell. Craig Anderson and I were on the podcast mm-hmm. in midweek saying on the Patreon that we weren't really... We were a bit concerned about that deal because given a two-year contract to a guy whose abilities are a bit limited at the top flight. But he certainly has his uses, and they showed it in the game against Hearts, and he showed it again in this game. Just, like I say, running the channels, working very hard, throwing his weight around, putting off a Superman backline, So Tanzer has a bit of a torrid time. He's taken off and he's replaced by Small, who is, to be fair to him, quite young. I think he's still only 18, on loan for Southampton. But, Mm. oh boy, (laughs) he he turned petulant very quickly. You know, what what I'll
2: say is that um, Thierry Small, I I do have some, some basic knowledge of because he chucked his toys out the pram because he wasn't getting first team football at Everton. Um, and that's how his move to Southampton came about. He was basically, you know, hot shit when he was coming through as a sort of winger come striker uh, in the Everton youth system. So I'm not surprised at all to see him chucking the toys out the pram because he's losing at home mm. to Kilmarnock, uh, a team who <laughs> hadn't won at home all season. But I, honestly, I think my favourite part of it. Is the the, the launching the ball against the ground? Like that is just just the most surefire way to get a book in. (laughs) It's not dangerous. Uh, You know, there's actually nothing wrong with it. If he just sort of shouted at the linesman instead of just throwing the ball, he might not have got a yellow card, but he did the performative Uh, ball chucking. uh, And then uh, before it was worse
1: because
2: before he had his pocket back, uh, the the card back in the pocket, he was tugging his man back and the cards (laughs) were back out. It was was phenomenal.
1: yeah, because he actually paused. Like he doesn't. It. It's not like you can sort of understand if you're know, if you're holding the ball and you just happen to be holding the ball somehow, and then the decision goes against you and you just immediately like chuck it off the ground, and then you're as soon as you're done, you're like, oh fuck, that was stupid. But he actually holds onto the ball for a wee bit, and then there's no, no, I'm going to chuck it. I'm going to chuck it to the ground and get booked for no reason, and then and then obviously just to get immediately a second book and that was maybe the funniest sending off of the season. So fair play to Thierry Small that will be his legacy in Scottish football.
0: A final word on the victors in this game before we move on. Christian Dodge getting another goal. It's nice to see Dodge going. He's one of the good guys in the Scottish top flight. And it was a real shame that it, that injury basically turned him from a pretty good player at Hibs to useless. So, mm-hmm. But he's starting to show a bit of his use again at, at Killy. I, st- I still thought it was a bit of a rad sign when, the, when they brought him in because it looked like he was done. But he's started... My voice is going high here, Rob, when I say this, so maybe it's not entirely true, but it is looking like he's starting to show a little bit of the old Deutsch kind of.
1: Yeah.
2: Yeah. Hey, listen. Yeah. Yeah. Um, He's, he's always going to be what he is, uh, which is a not very mobile, so- very large... Um, <laughs> Strangely handsome Welsh man uh, who occasionally runs about in the the you know final third of a football pitch. The ball sometimes bounces off him and goes into the back of the net, and that's what he's done very effectively for Komarnyk up until now. Uh, when he's actually shown what he was doing at Hibbs a couple of years ago, and I mean like a couple two three years ago, um, getting in front of his man and planting a header um, off the, the the far post and into the bottom corner, but also. You know, he's he's a fairly decent foil for Kyle Vassell and, and Armstrong when he sort of comes forward as well, because Doidge's hold-up play has always been pretty good. You know, he wins flick-ons, he does win headers, he can take the ball in back to goal and allow players to run off him. So having Vassell, who is a more mobile, also large man, playing alongside him, um, it could it could make them quite a, a sort of fearful prospect for... The, uh, the, the the players that they're coming up against after the split. But um, yeah, Dodge, fair play to him. He is one of the good guys and uh, you, you can't really say much fairer than that. It was a really good goal and a big goal as well. He scored a big goal against Harch um, a, a, a few weeks ago. So yeah, fair play.
0: Right, so let's move on to Dodge's parent club, Hibbs, who drew one each with St Johnston. Hibbs managing to finish in the top half because, again, similar to St Mirren. Levinson did not manage to win at Dundee United. So, again, it's like, I know, not quite as bad as Sitman, but kind of fallen arse backwards into the top six, uh, Lee Johnson's side. And having to play the rest of this match with 10 men after another contentious red card foul. I don't want to get into that too much. I'm sure it's been done to death elsewhere. Ewan, I know you think it could have been a red card. Mm. I kind yeah. of see your point. It does look very harsh. VR is pointless. I don't think there's really any much more to say about that. Yeah. So let's talk about yeah. the, the teams instead. Rob, David Marshall.
2: Yes, David Marshall is a former Scotland international footballer who currently plays for Hibernian in Edinburgh. David Marshall once played for Celtic. No, listen, he's he's very much looking like uh, a goalkeeper who you can tell is top quality, but is coming close to retirement. Because he's still mm. making incredible saves, he made some like he saved Hibbs. He did. Yeah. He saved Hibbs quite a few times in that second half, with the likes of Stevie May, uh, Dre Wright having really good opportunities on goal, um, and he made really impressive saves. But my goodness, um, he should have saved that um, that trundling overhead kick from uh, from Stevie May <laughs> that, that sort of just about it didn't. It's one of those things he sort of like threw his, his hands up, um, sort of asking why on earth Lewis Stevenson was near the ball. It's like, well, because he, mar- <laughs> he was marking the post. You know this, David Marshall. You've done this for years. Um, not really poor goalkeeping yeah. and not the first <clears throat> time. Not the first time this season that, mm. that Marshall has made errors that have cost him goals. And I think that's the big difference when it comes yeah. to goalkeepers because you can make errors that don't cost goals. Craig Gordon was doing that more often than not this season, but you could tell that he was on the way in a wee bit. Alan McGregor. You've seen that from him uh, the last couple of seasons. And now David Marshall, you've seen it as well. Mm-hmm. He's still a very good Scottish Premiership goalkeeper, David Marshall, because you saw that with the, the quality of saves he was making after he made that blunder. He's not one that Hibbs need to get rid of immediately. He's still a very good leader. He organizes his back line well. He comes for crosses as well. Um, but yeah, that, that's that's a huge error and it cost Hibs uh, really earlier on in the game because it gave St Johnston something of a foothold it gave them something to defend at a time when they've had nothing to defend uh, in, in recent weeks so yeah, a, a huge blunder not just for the fact it looked funny but also for how the game went in the end um, because if that doesn't happen then Hibs probably ease their way into it and probably get three points
1: Yeah. The sports scene commentator described the Stevie Mays overhead kick as traveling with all the velocity of a wounded duck. Now that, that's not a, <laughs> that's not a, like a expression that I'm not aware of, is it? Like uh, it's a very, very flowery language for sports scene. And um, w- uh,
0: my, who is it? Who is the commentator?
1: I can't remember. I can't remember, but um, it's, it's it, not, it's not something I'd heard before.
0: Because uh, wounded duck is something you hear quite a lot in the NFL. Uh, if a quarterback oh. throws a ball and his arms kind of hit at the same time, and it kind of the ball doesn't have that nice no. tight spiral, it kind of fl- kind of flaps about a bit in the air. That's kind of like a wounded duck.
1: So it's one of these NFL nerds that have permeated our game.
2: I was going to say it must. It and, must uh, be it
1: been, to get a gig on scene. It must be Paul Mitchell
2: or someone like that.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't, I don't think I was. What's that voice like? It wasn't one of your your sort of classic voices. One, um, one of the so youngsters. I, I can't remember it was. One of the youngsters, but was, uh, yeah, I thought that was odd.
0: There was a couple of tactical things in this game for me that were quite interesting. Hibs, so Hibs stuck with the same team that had won the Edinburgh Derby. And I think that was a fairly obvious thing. When I had done my prediction for the Hibs team for the evening news before the game, I went with that. But even when I was putting it in, I was like, I don't think they should necessarily do this. I thought that midfield was the exact midfield they needed in the Edinburgh Derby. I didn't think it was a the midfield they necessarily needed for an away match at St. Johnson. I thought there was a lack of, with Jake Hayes and Joe Newell alongside Jimmy Jago, you're basically, Jake Hayes just never really does it consistently where he puts it all together. If he he did, then it'd be a different story. But he often blows hot and cold. He had a good game in the derby, but I just wasn't really expecting much of him in this game. And I think that's what happened. And then you're just leaving it all in the back of Joe Newell to try and make something happen from a central position. And I think they should have made a change there problem is, who do you bring in? Josh Campbell's mm. form's got off the boil a wee bit. He's not all that creative, but at least he's more of an attacking player, so him in front of Newell would have made a bit more sense. Ewan Henderson's a bit... Mm. So, But I still thought he should have changed it up. It wasn't necessarily the right game to be putting out the, the same starting eleven. But another thing I've kind of noticed about him... I think... That, uh, before I get I said...
1: Yeah, Campbell wasn't on the bench, was he? Oh,
0: was he not? Yeah, Obviously, Campbell wasn't available. Was he injured or
1: something? Yeah. All
0: right, so he was unavailable. Okay, fair enough. I didn't, I didn't actually see the mm-hmm. event, but I was still a bit surprised that it didn't kind of mix it up a wee bit more because, like I say, it wasn't quite the the type of opponent when you're expected to, to dominate a bit more of a position and to mm-hmm. go at your opposition a bit more and kind of keeping the ball kind of way and yeah. building your way through. I'm not sure mm-hmm. that was the, the midfield that was going to work. And also, I'm mm-hmm. just going to say before I move on to St. Johnson that Ellie Johan, is he just incapable of playing well if he's in the same team as Kevin this bit?
1: I think he's a striker, Yeah. I mean, yeah. he's not not a conventional one, but he he's looked so much better. I mean, that spell where he basically hit his own all the hips had and and he was playing through the middle, uh, he looked really impressive. Otherwise, I would say he's flattered to deceive the whole season. So, yeah, it's uh, it's an interesting one because they've got a loan to buy, don't they? With uh, with Ian, yeah. so they could decide. <sighs> It's an interesting, I mean,
0: think the devil's in the detail there how much is the fee mm, going to be yeah, how much yeah. is it going to be on per week as part of this deal
1: uh-huh. yeah because you presume if Nisbet's away in the summer um it's probably have to do given his contract situation then uh, do you do you just hang your hat on and on to replace him as the as main replacement and sort of spend whatever money you get for Nisbet a, a chunk of it on him I, I'd be inclined to probably roll the dice on that If I was Hibbs, obviously depends on you know if if you're talking like all your your Nesbit money has to go on on UN to make that deal happen, then no. But if it's maybe a third of it, maybe say you know say you get one point five million for Nesbit and you have to spend five hundred grand on on UN something like that, uh, then I think I probably would because he he is good, he is good. but yeah, just I don't know if it's like he has more decisions to make when he plays off the off the left, but yeah, he just he isn't that, that great at it at all.
0: St so Johnson, it was their first game with Stephen McLean as interim boss and I would still be a wee bit concerned. They did Tony described him as playing with a bit more freedom. But they still only managed one goal. And Rob does make the point that they were denied by a couple of decent David Marshall saves, but they still only scored one goal that was a massive goalkeeping error. They were playing against 10 men for over 40 minutes in the second half mm-hmm. and, and couldn't get a second goal. So it was a very strange decision. Firstly, I know May scored, but that was from a set piece. To play Stevie mm-hmm. May up front on his own isn't something that's ever really worked for St. Johnson and to leave him up front on his own the entire match and to not bring off either forward from the bench. So they all made three changes. So they had Theo Bear and Zach Rudden well,
1: on you the I can bench. understand why Theo Bear did not come on. Yeah, yeah.
0: But we'd have thought Zach Rudden might have made an appearance at some point yes. to just try and stick another forward on or, or to get me a bit of help through the centre. So, I don't know. didn't really scream... Ah, oh, things are going to be much better under this new manager, to me. I, hmm. I t- yes,
2: no. yes, but also they did look more dangerous. They did look more threatening. I thought Jay Wright uh, was was doing really well down the right hand side. Obviously, Lewis Stevenson scored a, a great goal uh, in this game to to make it one each. But he gave Stevenson a real tough time uh, on on a couple of occasions and put good deliveries into the box. Uh, you know, allowing Stevie May to, to to try and get on the end of these things. They looked. More creative, they looked like, um, you know, St Johnson have been so so slow all season at getting the ball forward and trying to make things happen in the final third. Conor McLennan made a bit of a difference in that regard as well, playing on the left hand side and, and having actual wingers playing in the game rather than trying to, you know, shoehorn in wing backs and, and all this kind of stuff. Having guys that actually want to try and get forward and support Stevie May. You could see a little bit of what Stephen McLean is trying to do to to get them a bit more up and at them, and and you know try and get a bit more legs, not just in the in the midfield area, but going forward as well. Um, so you could see little glimpses here and there. However. They were up against a team that, like you said, they'd picked a completely wrong midfield for this game. They were down to 10 men. They were missing a man in that midfield and they still weren't able to properly lay a big glove on them. And that's a real issue. I think that I said a couple of weeks ago, St. John's are in massive danger here. I think that's still true. I think that the games at home uh, are the games that you need to get three points in and they didn't manage it against a team that had 10 men. You know, you're looking for a new manager bounce and, uh, you know, the the tennis ball was dropped on the floor and just stopped there. There was no bounce there whatsoever. So it's just kind of, you know, yes, there's tiny little things that you can nitpick at and say, right, okay, we can think that St Johnston might be getting a wee bit better now. However, they're still in danger because you look at the other teams around about them who are picking up wins at home, away from home. And that, I think, is where the, the big danger is going to be. So, yeah, um, a, a decent point on the board. Every point counts in a relegation battle. Um, but St. Johnston will be feeling they should have had all three points in that game. And then they've got to play the teams around about them after the split. Mm. And they have not done that well in those games so far this season. So,
1: no. yeah. I, would, I, I I now think St. Johnston will be 11th. And, and Ross County will go down. Just... Because I think everyone else, you sort of, you know, if you're playing Dundee United at Dundee, so obviously we'll come on to, or Kilmarnock or Ruppy Park, those are tough games for almost everyone in the in the league would consider those like, oh, yeah, that, that we could we could lose that game, and and especially the teams down there, uh, you know, in the, in the bottom six, I don't think any of them will fancy you know going going to those grounds. Comanik obviously well, until until the weekend have be absolutely hopeless away from home. Um, maybe that's turned and, and you know Dundee United do look like they could they could be anyone in the in the bottom six at the moment. I I I just don't think I don't think anybody looks at going to McDermott Park and thinks, "Oof, that'll be a tough game." It, it's just you know they, 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 it's not an intimidating place to go. It, it's not a team that will really put you under the cosh, even if you're down to ten men. They just seem like the sort of softest team at the moment to me. Um and and there maybe other, the other than Ross well, County. Well, yeah, uh-huh. other than but the, <laughs> Ross, Ross County was the third best uh defense of the league until the weekend. and now they've got like the eighth best, so <laughs> that was a bit of a, a fall from grace for for Ross County. But but even Ross County at home, I would say, is is, is still a bit of more of a harder proposition than than uh, St. Johnson just because I mean the pitch feels tight. It's it's quite hard to make. I also think it's hard for teams to play well. Not many teams go. I, I feel to uh, to think well and actually play well. Ross County included, dry right enough, but you know, it's <laughs> the, the, the games tend to be quite tight. Um, so yeah, I I do think Ross County are probably given them out their four points behind Comerica um, and Dundee United, and then St Johnson are a uh, you know two points further ahead. Uh, yeah, I, just, I, I mean, Dundee United have got a lot of momentum commandic feel you'd, you'd fancy Kamarnock probably they've got three home games they could they could well win all of them and that would obviously be enough so yeah, I, 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 yeah I'm leading towards the Johnson being the uh, the team that ends up falling into the playoff position
0: Well you mentioned them there a couple of times Dundee United they defeated Livingston 2-0 at the weekend for their third consecutive victory They remain in 10th place ahead of Kilmarnock on goal difference. It's still very tight for the Terrors, but they are motoring at the moment. And Rob had to love the scenes after Fletcher's goal to sew up the three points in this one. Explosion behind the goals as the United fans, obviously delirious and so happy that their team managed to wrap up another huge three points in this battle against relegation.
2: Yeah, 100%. And there's no better player to cause those scenes right now than Stephen Fletcher, who's become a proper focal point talisman, you know, a, a hero in that, amongst the Dundee United ranks uh, of, of, of players that somehow are going to, you know, snatch top flight from the jaws of the championship um, come the end of the season. And, and Stephen Fletcher... Has been a massive part of that. I mean, for me, he's still one of the best in the in the top flight in terms of all round game. What he can do to 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 bring a team forward on the park, what he can do to bring other players into it, but also how dangerous he is in front of goal. And that's a wonderful first time finish as well under Shamal George. And then you see. The, the, the scenes and the stands. And that's what you want to see as well. like The, the Dundee United fans are, are, are getting out and supporting them because they know how, how big this is. We saw the, the the flip side of it, the wonderful scenes at the start of the season and that home game against Alkmaar. You forget about everything that's happened in between and you look at this moment here and now and you say, right, okay, this is a Dundee United support and team that are playing for each other. The support believe in the team and the players are feeding off that support as well. Um, but no, Stephen Fletcher... What a guy! What a player! Uh, what a top knot! Uh, what a hairline! Everything about him is is, is just absolutely remarkable. Um, and he's he's the main guy for me. But and I, you know, you might have been about to ask this question: his uh, his sidekicks in Elmari Niskanen and Jamie McGrath have really impressed me in recent weeks as well. I've liked Min Niskanen for a long time. It was weird, I thought, that he didn't get trusted as much by Jack Ross, by Liam Fox. Um, he's getting more consistent game time under Goodwin and he's showing why, uh, you know, they, they they signed him in the first place. And Jamie McGrath looks like St Mirren's Jamie McGrath all of a sudden. You know, he's, he's scoring big, important goals. Uh, he's making a nuisance of himself outside the box. He's finding passes. Um, and, yeah, it's everything's clicking for Dundee United right now. And a huge amount of credit has to go to Jim Goodwin after the disaster he oversaw at Pataudry. It could have been easy for him to just say, right, nah, do you know what? Fuck this. Uh, don't fancy it anymore. Or mistakenly jump into a new job thinking that's exactly what he needed when it wasn't. Um, but he's just shown that cool head on the shoulders. Um, he's dragging Dundee United to safety. And uh, it was a, a great win and, and great scenes at Tannadice. And it might have been a bit more comfortable in this one if it wasn't
0: for the fact that Jim McGrath, who you mentioned, who was playing very well, was forced off injured after mm. just half an hour. And the, obviously the hope is for United that he's not going to be out with any length of time. So that would be a huge miss for mm. for these games coming in. But even though United didn't do much in an attacking sense after he went off other than really scoring the second goal, they were still fairly comfortable against Livingston. And I think it also shows as well that Loic... Aina? Oh, Aina Yeah. Let's go with that. He's come at the team at the expense of Ryan Edwards and has he's had a couple of shaky moments, but overall in games, he, he basically the shaky moments is just kind of stuff that you'd expect from a kind of young defender. You know, just kind of brain farts basically to make. But overall, he's been quite impressive and he's helped improve that defence. But it also helps you and when you're playing against a Livingston team that are kind of spiralling at the moment.
1: Yeah. Yeah, uh, I mean they won last week, but apart from that, uh, yeah, they, they're just I don't know, they they're just maybe they're the new submitting. They just sort of fade away uh, as the top six uh, comes round. Um, I mean, yeah, they made quite a few. I mean, Montano's mistake for the the second goal was just really poor. Um, and and uh, yeah, I, I wasn't particularly impressed with, uh, with Livingston at all. It, 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 it's odd that that. It does feel when that front three, you know, sort of Anderson, and, and Bradley, um, when they play well, they're really good. But they do have quite a few off days, and and it's like well, they all have an off day at the same time, or they all play well at the same time. Um, so yeah, it, they're just they. they pro, I mean, I, yeah, I think they are where they are in the league. You know, ultimately on merit. I don't think you could really argue, you know, that they have been better than any team that ended up in the in the top six. The, the the you know they faded quite badly um as as the season went on. I mean maybe a month or month and a half ago you would have thought that, I mean they looked pretty much nailed on for for the uh, top six, but wheels have just come off and and you you wonder how much turnover there's going to be. I mean they're obviously going to lose Nikki Devlin, that sort of being made public looks like they're going to. You'd think someone will come in for Nibley. Um and, and you know, David Martindale's done this before and he's you know, he he he's turned over the squads um quite regularly, but yeah, you wonder if maybe Livingston's sort of forward momentum has now stopped and and is it now that it is sort of consolidation and then maybe eventual you know, is it maybe not next season, the season after are they going to be in sort of the relegation fight? Which they they've pretty much avoided. Um you know, since they've, they've come back up so, so yeah um, it'll just depend on, on the business they do in the summer I think but, uh, but yeah not a not fantastic place for, for Livingston to be at the moment
0: Yeah Rob those fans start to grumble a little bit David Martindale is that fair enough or is that madness?
2: Um, I don't think it's fair enough yet um, I think that David Martindale has shown what he can do with any budget basically so far he can sign good players uh, and make a good team out of them as well. Uh, but also what he's able to do with the players that already exist at the football club. You know, what he's able, been able to do with Jason Holt in, in recent years, for example, what he's been able to do, uh, with, with Nicky Devlin he's able to bring the best out of the players and play them in positions that get the best out of them as well so I would give him the summer I'd give him a transfer window I think he's absolutely got that credit in the bank I don't think they're anywhere near relegation this season for example um, mm-hmm. and I think that you know you, you look at the fact that they are trying to sign up as many players as they can just now as well Jason Holt signed a new deal Io has uh, signed a new deal so he's trying to keep the nucleus of what he can obviously whilst understanding that the likes of Nubley and Fitzwater and uh, and uh, Devlin and probably Shamal George you know these guys will be away but he's trying to keep as much continuity as he can and let's see what he can do you know he's going to dive into the English lower leagues we know he's going to do that who's he going to pull out from there uh, and, and what sort of teams is he going to make from it so yeah listen you're not getting rid of him yes they are spiralling just a little bit um, but at the same time we've seen that from Livingston under Martindale before and he's always pulled them back so I think uh, give him a wee bit more time but also have that in the back of your mind that if he's if they start the season really poorly um, then you know that's a, a more prolonged sense of uh, of of discouragement than uh, than you know just a few games towards the tail end of this season.
1: Mm-hmm. You can't see oh. Livingston doing anything though, surely? No, I mean, no, no. he is Mister Livingston. No, he's not going to so. sack himself. Yeah, exactly.
0: Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> right, let's get to our final game, which is Celtic one Motherwell one. Apologies, Motherwell fans, that we're just kind of glossing over you getting a point at Parkhead. But at the same time, if you're looking at all the fixtures, this is the one with the least rider on it. Celtic are well, they're going to wrap up the title in all likelihood in their next home game. And Malo, I still see my fans saying, oh, we just need another result and stuff. Like I'm pretty sure you are safe, especially when you've still got the abilities at this point in the campaign to go to Parkhead and mm. get a point. Mm. And Kevin Van Veen, a very nice goal. I liked it's not great defending from Greg Taylor. I think he should deal with it a bit better than he does. However, it's good to see a player in that situation just attack it with real purpose. And when I say that situation, I mean also doing it at Celtic Park, doing it in a mm-hmm. stage where you see so many players getting in that that kind of position on the park and going at one defender and you just know they're thinking the entire time oh my god oh my god oh my god oh my god I've got the chance to equalise against Celtic what am I going to do Kevin Van Veen just has the confidence he's like right I'm going to run here and I'm going to pretend to cut inside and then we're going to cut back again and I'm going to fire it in the back of the net and And that's what I've done
2: and I'm pretty sure it it was up against Greg Taylor wasn't he one on one yeah. Mm, yeah, 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 no, he, he made uh, one of the best players in Scotland look like an absolute fanny uh, just by essentially dropping, <laughs> it. just by just by doing a really yeah, a really subtle, uh, almost accidental looking drop of the shoulder, uh, mm. and then shifting it onto his right. It's a magnificent finish, but listen. Yeah, when, a, is when a striker's playing with that amount of confidence, it's just a joy to watch them. You know it's not going to last forever, mm-hmm. especially with Van Veen, who's gone through purple patches before. This is probably the the, the purplest uh, of the patches that he's had mm-hmm. since he came up to Scotland. But um, just an absolute joy to watch. And then in the aftermath, just a joy to see all the Celtic fans uh, crying because uh, Motherwell had the audacity <laughs> to, to do a little bit of time wasting and, and, gain, a, and gain a really impressive point. Um, at a place where teams very, very rarely get points. So. Rob, it
0: was shocking. It was shocking that John Beaton let them get away with it. He let them get away with it so much that he only
2: added on nine minutes of stoppage time. Do you remember earlier on in the season when Celtic played Motherwell at uh, Celtic Park and Joe Hart went in with a head knock um, after not hitting his head against uh, a Motherwell player? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, you know, I, listen. Me- I do remember that. Memories memories can be very short, but this, is just, this was just yet another string to Kettlewell's bow since he came in at Motherwell, getting a result at Celtic Park. Yes, you know, Celtic are very much, uh, you know, they're spending time in the gym uh, just now on their biceps just so they can lift the trophy even better at the end of the season. That's all they really care about just now. It's a foregone conclusion that they're going to win the Cup. They've got their eyes on a massive semi-final um, coming up this weekend as well. So, you know, it's an ideal time for a team like Motherwell to go to Celtic Park. It's hugely impressive, you know. And defensively, I thought Liam Kelly and goals uh, made some some really really good saves. They rode the luck, uh, which you have to do at Celtic Park. Um, but I just really enjoy, you know, that back three of Casey Butcher, McGinn, uh, and and then being a real sort of um, a, a constant presence um, for Motherwell since Kettlewell came in, and also Furlong on the left, Johnston on the right. You know, those are the five with Kelly behind them. That's that's really sort of pushed them to to where they are just now and allowed. Kevin Van Veen to go on this mad goal scoring run so um, really impressive again from Motherwell Celtic not really much you can say they had their chances they were profligate uh, O had probably the best chance of the lot and stuck his header wide mm. that's the exact time that you want to be scoring a goal and win your second choice striker and he's not done it so he'll be kicking himself after that but listen Celtic have, Celtic have won the league so the league games don't matter that much uh, they'll be completely looking forward to uh, the game at Hamden on Sunday
1: hmm I thought uh, Awata looked good yeah he's a good player that, that's probably the best I've I've seen him play um, just some really sort of clever wee passes that just you know the, you know, sort of look simple but take two or three players out of the game um, so yeah it'd be interesting to see if he plays at the or starts at the, uh, in the semi-final um, he's probably the man in form I would say at the moment, like Moyes maybe gone off the boil ever so slightly. Obviously, McGregor's going to play. Hitati's... I I don't know if he's going to be fit. So, so yeah, maybe the first... Sorry, uh, old firm start, I think, for for Iwata potentially. Um, so hopefully has a shocker, but it didn't look to me like he would, unfortunately. Uh, it looks like he's he's another one that's just gonna be excellent for Celtic. Um another another good sign in that um that they've made and uh, yeah, it's it's depressing.
2: Just uh, just on Iwata as well, he's got one of my favourite attributes a footballer can have, which is when uh, sometimes their first touch isn't even a touch. Just the way he uses his body mm. uh, to then sort of right open it up and, and essentially open up the park for for any sort of pass uh, to come and he got the assist for Callum McGregor's goal as well. So yes, oh. uh, he looks really impressive. And listen, maybe the Celtic fans in my mentions shouting at me and Tony for the top ten uh, defensive midfielders <laughs> list, maybe they had a point. Maybe they had a point. But listen, it's too late now. Maybe, it's too uh, late now. Why? Why it's don't, too late now? Celtic fans, why don't, why don't you give me a give me a tinkle? Pick up the phone. Give me a phone next year. See where we are. <laughs> But, uh, I know you looked impressed.
1: Could include him in the uh, in the center mids list potentially, but um, let's not. Nah, fucking. Do nah. <laughs>
0: right, that's it. Thank you very much for joining me, guys. Thank you,
1: Ewan. Thank you, Craig. Thank you, Rob.
2: Oh, thank, th- thanks, thanks, thank th- you, Rob. <laughs> Listen, uh, Ewan Taylor, Ewan Taylor's gonna <laughs> throw you off there, mate. Thank you, and Taylor's coming. I thought I'd thank Rob as well. and Taylor's coming for your job, mate. Fucking hell. Uh, John, <laughs> do the <laughs> outro as well, Ewan.
1: Well, yeah. I just—I I thought it's like both. I, I, I had a podcast recently. I thought I only thanked the host, and I felt, yeah, you know, I'd let my fellow fellow panelists down. Well, thanks. Yeah, so. Actually,
0: I, thank you. I—I I, I hate an intro. Um, I'm going to say uh, thank you very much from me as well. And you and take us out.
1: Uh, but enjoy your football respectfully. <laughs>
0: <laughs> We're also on the Patreon, patreoncom forward slash podcast Goodbye.
1: Bye.